Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayo. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. So in this roundtable discussion, I am joined by my sister Kay, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We've just watched the movie from 2014. I hesitate to use the term live action because I think half of it was CG rendered, but it was live action. We may also spoil the previous round of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, films, the cartoon, uh, the previous live action TV show possibly bits and pieces of the comic, although, frankly, I really haven't read that much of the comic. It's funny the way you qualified the live-action comment, because I was tempted to say that their uh, childhood, for lack of a better description, was very animated. The first four or five minutes of the film, maybe less. It started as a cartoon. Yeah. And it worked for me, and I was curious how much of the images we got there were from some of the various comics over the years, because... There was the original black and white comic done by Eastman and Laird back in 96 or thereabouts. And I was aware of it at the time. Uh, my high school friend, uh, Stephen, mm. was reading it. Um, so I knew about it. I just didn't read it. It wasn't, you know, the stuff I was into or whatever. Well, did it originate as the comic book or the cartoon? As a comic book. Interesting. Um, just to get into the backstory of this as best I know it, and I could be wrong on some places. But it was originally done uh, during kind of what's referred to as the black and white glut of the 80s. And it was more or less one of, the, I don't say the instigators, but... But what an expression. Uh, well, uh, it was a good time to get into comics. Black and white was a cheap way to do it. Yeah. Don't have to pay for color, whatever. And Daredevil was was popular. There was stuff going on there. I'm thinking it was... Um, uh, man, I am completely blanking on the big name creator that was doing Daredevil at the time. But anyways... You had ninjas, you had the Hand Clan, you had all this kind of stuff going on, and they basically decided to kind of spoof that. So instead of the hand as the evil ninjas, you had the foot, mm. and they just were kind of spoofing, ridiculing, parroting, whatever you want to call it, a lot of stuff. And Well, it's interesting to me because on, on the one hand, I can see how the four turtles could easily be done in black and white, mm -hmm. because part of how you tell them apart is their weaponry. The weaponry... Like a, an initial on the belt buckle. Mm -hmm. I personally find that easier than the color coding because I can never remember which color goes to which. And that was what I was going to say. The other way you tell them apart is the color coding. And I was noticing during the movie, I never locked in which color was which turtle. But I remember I used to watch the cartoon periodically because I loved the sense of humor the cartoon had. Well, and a great theme song. Yes. And it was just great, relaxing mindless entertainment and i don't mean that in a bad way at all but no, no. just a you could set the world aside entirely for half an hour you know they've they had the original comic they've had uh the the cartoon back in the 80s they had the previous round of movies they had comics that were based on either the movies or the the cartoon so it's kind of circled back on itself a few times and I've caught bits and pieces of the cartoon. I don't know that I've ever watched one, you know, uh, beginning to end. 
the live action TV show. I've actually got uh, many of the episodes and stuff. I don't know if I've got the full season or not, but uh, on um, on DVD there. I haven't watched those yet. But part of why I got them is they crossed over with the Power Rangers mm. at one point. Well, I remember when I would watch the cartoon, I could tell at a glance based on which color uh, the mask and stuff, which of the characters it was. So for me in the cartoon, I remember that the color coding was more significant than it felt while I was watching the movie. Here it was mainly the mask, but again, it's hard for me to... I couldn't tell you which turtle was which color. Yeah. And the way I would have d- dealt with that myself is I would have, if I were the creator, is I would have tried to do some sort of mnemonic. Mm. At R. Raphael, well, he he should be the one in the red. And, and maybe I think he, is, he was. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I'm pretty sure he was. And I think uh, Leonardo was in blue. Don. L, blue, no connection. Yeah. Um, I think Donatello was orange, and that's leaving me with, I want to say green, and I'm not coming up with his name. Michelangelo. Michelangelo. I would have tried to have had the color and the, the name start with the same letter or something along those mm-hmm. lines, just to make it easier to remember. But again, it started as a black and white comic. Yeah. So that whole thing was nowhere to be found, obviously, with the, the lack of color. But it was also a dark, uh, noir kind of a thing. Uh, comic. So for it to have been adapted into a very kind of happy-go-lucky mm-hmm. property, which is one of its signature aspects. Now, it's uh, over the last few years gone back into comics, um, and I think it's uh, uh, Eastman who's doing the comic as over at IDW and stuff. Um, it's, as far as I know, and not reading the book, got that original sort of a sensibility, but is telling some really good comics. When they've got very different personalities for the four turtles oh, and interests. And that was always one of the things I liked. And it was very front and center here in the movie. You've got Michelangelo, kind of the party animal, if you will. You've got um, Donatello, the the geek, the nerd, the, the scientist of the bunch. You've got uh, Leonardo, the, the leader, mm-hmm. if you will. And really, there's not much to his personality kind of other than that. And then Raphael, kind of the, uh, the I don't want to say the black sheep, but the the rebellious one. I was going to say the bad boy. Yeah, the bad boy. Yeah. Um, But they're all united, not just as a family, but in their protection of April. Well, and I liked how this tied her into their origin. Yeah. Because the original origin was essentially daredevils. You know, mm-hmm. in addition to uh, Matt Murdock getting hit by the, the chemicals from the, the truck, it leaked onto some turtles and a rat. Got it. And went from there. So to to have gone with the laboratory set up and her having saved them and all of that, eh, a bit of a bit of a change, but not much. But I liked it. it. It worked. Yeah, especially I think to a modern audience or at least to our age group that has grown up with so much talk of is experimenting on animals ethical, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It. It makes sense that a child would have viewed those lab animals as her pets. Yeah. Not as lab experiments. Well, and it explains why is she always hanging out with them and, and vice versa or whatever. Yeah. It, it is, I don't want to say contrived, it's believable. It, it, it gives to that whole family dynamic. Well, and her having the tapes going back to her mm-hmm. dad's experiments. The even then she wanted to grow up to be a reporter. Yeah, I like that aspect. You know, the she was who she is yeah. pretty much all the way along. Yeah. 
They had some really good fight sequences here. Uh, I loved the montage of the turtles growing up, like you said. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was the original origin story stuff. But then when we're seeing glimpses of them as preteens and yeah. stuff like that, yeah, uh, the uh, the computer effects were just really well done throughout. Well, some of the moves in the various fight scenes just had me doing a double take in part because they looked genuinely live action and yet they reminded me so much of what I loved in the cartoons. And it was just this blending of the computer technology to take the best of the animated, the best of the live action, put them together and do, yes, that's a human flipping, but it's that same flip I remember seeing in the cartoon. Well, there were a few places where it felt very video game-ish and not in a bad way. Well, the sliding through the sewers at one point is how I remember them sliding in the cartoons. Oh, absolutely. But I was thinking one of them uh, when they were fighting a bunch of the, the Foot Clan and they were, you know, kind of beating up and there was like this pile of people they were on or whatever. Oh, yeah. And it was something that, you know, doing a fight scene with people as the Foot Clan and a non-existent CG turtle you're fighting, that would be tough. Yeah. And they did, they had quite a few people listed as motion capture uh, artists or whatever. About a half dozen, dozen or whatever. Yeah. And no doubt for the flipping, the fight scenes, whatever. And it paid off because the turtles never seemed to move awkwardly. Mm-hmm. Very fluid, very good body language, fairly distinct across uh, the different turtles. There were a few places, the elevator scene in particular... Where it's like, you know, I thought they were all more or less the same height. Yes, I was thinking that too. And yet, I love the elevator scene. That was one of those moments where I'm like, they captured the chemistry that I remember from the cartoon of these are my turtles. Well, they're kids. Yes. And breaking out into like a, a beatbox kind of a song or whatever it was was just so ludicrous, but it was genuinely funny. Well, it was very much a, what do you mean this cheap elevator doesn't have elevator music for us? Yeah. And they're standing next to a sign that says no weapons allowed. Well, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> there were a lot of aspects where there was a very clear sense of humor about those sorts of situations, the irony or just the, the ridiculousness of it, yet... It never once made fun of the premise. Exactly. I mean, they, yeah. they point to April being clearly insane for believing any of this kind of throughout. It, yes. It's crazy, but they play it straight. Yeah. You know, um, when people meet the turtles, they're like, okay, that's shocking, but- How crazy is it that you're not crazy? Well, there's that, but there's none of the, oh my God, you know, and just over-exaggerated response or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was surprised to see Whoopi Goldberg as the uh, station manager, producer, whatever role she had at the TV station. On the one hand, I was totally shocked. I didn't know she was in it. On the other hand, she has grandchildren. She has great-grandchildren. Uh, well, and she's been around uh, Hollywood and stuff. To ha She could not be unaware of the impact of the Turtles. There are some actors and actresses that... If you can get them in the right interview environment and say, hey, why did you take the Wicked Witch in this animated mm -hmm. Disney cartoon? They'll concede, you know, I've got grandchildren. 
And I just always thought, wouldn't it be great if my grandkids heard my voice in a Disney cartoon? Yeah, there are certain things. And there are other cases where they want to do something their their kids or grandkids could actually watch. Yes. Um, yeah. So she was a minor role here, but did fine in it. Uh, the, the one that surprised me just in terms of I wouldn't have thought to have cast this person. The voice of Splinter was Tony Shalhoub from Monk. Yeah, I enjoyed him. He did a great job. Especially in that, that opening few minutes. That that laying out, my sons, someday you will go above, but that's not today. Well, there was that scene, and there were a few others that were heavy in exposition. Mm. When uh, Sax or whatever was, was going through, here's the history of Japan, mm-hmm. all that stuff. They were just, oh my god. But they had actors that were really good at delivering that. Okay, I flat out told you during the movie that the casting of Sax, I like that actor a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. William Fitchner, I think is his name. I believe so. Uh, I've seen him in Prison Break. I've seen him in lots of things. The problem is I've seen him in lots of things. I know he's a really talented actor he, who can do a really good job of being the guy you can't trust. He reminded me, and I think it was a different actor who played this other role, but he reminded me of the guy who played uh, Ming in the Flash Gordon TV show. Oh, different actor, I'm pretty different sure. Different actor, yeah. but again, the, but the, yeah. the guys that it's like, they, they kind of have that persona of being a stand-up good individual mm-hmm. publicly, but you know mm-hmm. they're just not that way. Yeah. So yeah, I, I felt he was well used. Yeah, but the moment he came on screen, I'm like, I know from his resume... I probably can't trust him. Yeah, you hire him for this sort of character is what it comes down to. And he does it well. Oh, he does it too well. When he was in front of the turtles laying out why he wanted the blood, it was one of those scenes that he does so beautifully Mm -hmm. that I'm sitting there going, yeah, that's the scene that's the be-all, end-all of why he was cast. And the scene with the exposition about Japan, he did really well. He did. But it's not his strong suit compared to the flipping of that switch that he did in front of the turtles of, and now you get to see I'm not quite totally sane and good. Well, they had a lot of really good actors. They had a good storyline, great character moments, but there were aspects of the story that necessitated the opening chunk of exposition, mm. uh, Sax's chunk of exposition of kind of why he's a bad guy and his backstory and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, you could argue a little clunky because there, there are certain points where it's like, okay, let's start the clock on how long this exposition goes or whatever. But there's also, in some cases, no better way to do that. Well, there's also the fact that this movie was only an hour and 40 minutes. And they told a lot of story given it was only an hour and 40 minutes. Well, they tell a lot of story and I feel we really got to know a lot of the characters. Yeah. We got a lot on April O'Neil. We got not her full life story, but the major aspects of it. I think the only thing we were missing is her mother. I was just about to go there. It's like apparently she never had a mother. But other than that, we learn a lot about her. Uh, The Turtles and Splinter, their backstory, their history, all of that. How they learned the martial arts. I loved that Splinter understood fatherhood from seeing her father with her in the laboratory. Mm -hmm. 
There were aspects of, again, how they tied her into their origin that really added a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought that was, uh, at least as far as I know, a change from the original stuff and a fairly significant one. I, but I mean, it resonates with yeah. the material. I What I remember from the cartoon was very much that they had a leader in the form of a sensei. But I don't remember that strong father figure. And I really thought that was wonderful in this. He's always been the father figure, but almost a little bit more of the grandfather figure. Mm. Being portrayed as, as uh, a little more older, nearer end of life kind of a thing. Whereas here, it was very much father-son and a father more in his prime. Yeah, yeah. And when he was fighting, the use of the tail was really well done. Oh, it was. Uh, I loved how he kind of broke Michelangelo to get the information. Yes. There was a... I mean, that there were a lot of things like that that just imply so much backstory of, this is not the first time they've been in this sort of situation. What was the name of that room? Hasagi room? I... Something like that. Okay, I... I don't remember. But, I mean, you've got one of the guys balancing on one foot on a tricycle while knitting. Mm -hmm. You've got one of the guys suspended upside down, balancing on his arms on like, like a, a rolling chair desk some... chair. Yeah. That was Michelangelo, I believe. Yeah. on the yeah, So his arms are on the arms of a rolling desk chair, and he's doing a handstand. Um, one of the guys seemed to be on one leg... With the other leg up, like, on those cinder blocks that you kind of try to break in half. And he had to balance eggs on chopsticks in each hand. And there was an egg balancing on his head. Yeah. It's it's kind of a balance this or hold this pose for as long as you can. Yeah. I'm like, okay, the balance on one leg on the tricycle while knitting just had me dying of laughter. I'm like, I'm not sure I can pay attention to the rest of the scene. I just want to stare at that. Yeah. Those are the sorts of silly, fun things that they they make play. Yeah. And it goes back to the first word of the title, teenage. teenage. But it also goes to a certain sense of, I don't say whimsy, but fun and not too serious. There are other ways, sorts, uh, darker tones those scenes could have had, or definitely less fun tones they could have had at the very least. The movie captured the teenage aspect, and in the most charming of ways. Charming is a really good word for this film, because yes. there were a lot of aspects that even when the brothers were uh, at, I don't want to say at odds, but in each other's face or whatever, there was also a lot of times where the fluidity of how they worked together. They e were joined at the hip. Even when they were disagreeing about how to get the pictures off the phone, you forgot to say please. He meant to say please. They have totally different styles. <laughs> yes. For diametrically opposed at times. <laughs> but when you get to some of the fight sequences, um, I mean, the upper arm strength these, these turtles have is crazy. Yeah. Because at half a dozen times at least they're like chained with the one on top having holding the other three plus off in april yeah and then okay let's tug up and th and throw them up onto a you know a roof a building a car a truck whatever 
Well, and we haven't even mentioned Shredder with the whole chainsaw finger things that are Shredder's armor activated or retracted, I guess you'd say, by an electromagnet. That actually, the first time I'm like, oh, really? But the more he used it, the more I liked it. Yeah. And there was an, a Swiss Army knife aspect to his armor. <laughs> because he would kind of throw his arm out for the, again, it's kind of a Wolverine spoof. <laughs> Instead of the schnick, you get the thunk thunk. And like 30,000 blades come out or something. Yes. So there's a lot of, of again, pointing, uh, making fun of tropes and cliches in the comic. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of times they flat out do that. Ooh, he's doing his Batman voice. Yes. You know. Well, and then when somebody tells him he's doing it wrong. Well, I only saw Batman once. Yeah. And I didn't get to see the end. There's The pop culture references are, are often a lot of fun in these films. Yes. You know, this one and the previous. Because they were the, the other three films they did. And they, they're... Eh, the pros and cons to some of those. Mm-hmm. But at some point, we may do a, a trilogy uh, episode on those. I'd enjoy that. Um, because that that previous set, great music too. The music here was good, but didn't have any of the signature catchy tune type stuff. I was going to say, the elevator was the closest scene they really had to what I remember of the... Yeah, they really had their own beat going on. Whether or not it was my kind of music... I was always caught by the, yeah, they had their own rhythm. Well, in the cartoon, there's the, the that music, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, it's, you hear it and it's stuck in your brain kind of a deal. Yeah. You had the Turtle Power music mm-hmm. from the, the movies, the previous round of movies. And it had a very synthesizer kind of a vibe to it, high energy kind of a deal. And there were aspects of that here, but none that I can kind of think in and just hear the tune. Yeah. And that's not a fallacy of the film or something it's hard to get that kind of of thing particularly with a property that's got one or two very iconic ones and they did leverage a few of those in here i believe i know the the theme song of the cartoon was at least listed in the credits although right now i couldn't tell you exactly when in the film we kind of got that i don't think i could either no we have this on blu-ray and 3d blu-ray we saw the non-3d version so seeing it in 3d might be worth doing at some point um not one that I'm saying, oh, we've got to go do now. And that would be something to listen for Yeah, if we do that. Definitely. But like when they had the, the sequence in the snow and all of that, when they're careening down the hill, they're they're bouncing back and forth and stuff. The, the handoff between the turtles at times was great. The interplay between them. Their um, devastation that one of the turtles and April and that old guy went over the cliff. Michelangelo, not one for details. <laughs> but that was one of the things when we had seen the trailer in at the the Dallas convention. Because mm. they, they played the trailer frequently between yeah. the panels. There's the scene in the, the newer movie, which is part of why we decided to watch this. Because ha- I hadn't seen this. We hadn't seen this. No. But with the new one coming up, it's like, hey, let's, let's get up to speed. Where one of the turtles is kind of in front of... A couple of other vehicles or whatever. One's shooting like a, a uh, RPG or whatever, rocket propelled grenade, and then one of the other turtles is coming in from the side, flipping over, grabbing the turtle that's about to get blown to heck or whatever, and kind of swinging him, leapfrogging him or whatever, you know, out of the way. And there's a almost completely 
physically impossible aspect to the way these turtles mm-hmm. pirouette and and you know toss each other around or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then being bulletproof here, you know, was a little surprising. But they built up to it and they they, they earned it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I liked it when uh, the cop reported that there was debris falling off of a building. And I'm like, and what about the turtles? They're just barely hanging on. 50-story building yeah. or more. They couldn't yeah. be seen. Maybe 100-story. I don't know. I just What got was me funny. was after that, the next time we get a shot from above the building, there's this huge crowd down there. Yes, yes. There's debris falling. Falling. Yes. And then at one point, we go back down to the ground as stuff is coming. And it may have been the first shot of the debris. Debris is coming about. To, it crushes one of the car. And there's a guy doing a roll and tumble kind of a thing in the background. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> Large cement things are falling from the sky. But a judo roll will save you. It will. It will. What is it? Stop, duck, and roll? Something. I don't know. I also love the bit at the end when we get the turtle mobile. Yes! You know, clearly a decked out van. When they got it, when they had time to do that, no idea. I have no idea where their funding comes from. You know what would have been hilarious? Would have been for that to have turned out to have been made out of the remains of the the, the new six van. <laughs> yes. Yes. I loved it when uh, Will Arnett's character is like, you guys are driving now? Yeah. Again, teenage. Yes. Yes. Um, Teenagers who don't know what all the buttons do. Again, that's something that gets, I believe, referenced in at least in the trailer of the new film when they've got the dump truck mm. thing that shoots the the, uh, the manhole pizza? covers. Oh, manhole covers! Yeah, press the button. What button? <laughs> but that's that's I don't say necessarily iconic turtles, but it's classic. Yeah, because it it fits them. You've got Donatello who can build all of this stuff, and their others are like, what does all of this do? You know, it's it's a really fun property for something that really came out of, you know, let's let's spoof the over-serious dark tone of, you know, Batman, Daredevil, Wolverine, all of these other characters. For it to have not only kind of caught on and stuck around long enough originally to get some traction, but then to turn into the cartoon, to become this huge thing that it is. Yeah. Because it is... Stagger, I mean, this this property is 30 years old now, I think, give or take. I remember going into a Toys R Us within probably the last six months or something. I don't remember if you were with me at the time or not, but there was a action figure selection of eight, nine action figures, all of one of the turtles. Oh, how funny. Here's based on the original comic. The cartoon, the TV, the movie, the da-da-da-da-da, you know, kind of. Oh, how wild. Because they've had so many incarnations. I mean, I don't know how many different cartoons they've had. Mm-hmm. I can think of at least three, maybe four different series. Mm-hmm. Plus, again, the live action show. It's it's an incredibly robust property. And one that, first story you tell, okay, let's recap the origin, establish the villains, and then it's more or less you can just kind of bounce around and I don't say tell the same story over and over again, but yeah, it's not a ridiculously complicated, you know, oh, we've got to introduce each and every villain, you know. Yeah, but like I said, when I would watch the cartoon, part of why I tuned in was because it was such light, easy entertainment mm-hmm. to tune into. Well, and that's the thing is they focus on entertainment versus the metaphors, the the 
the the, mm-hmm. the the overblown literature literary and literature type aspects of it there are themes there are uh messages there are deeper levels to the property mm-hmm. that have come over the years in some cases more so than in other cases but they never get so full of themselves that that's what it's about yeah you know it's like hey let's tell a fun story yeah and again certain parts of of to me this is science fantasy mm-hmm mutagen they become six foot tall turtles when they started out as you know two inch turtles it's like that's pretty good growth yeah but and they, they don't the- grow until after she rescues them yeah there's a delayed reaction there gotta kick in yeah because getting injected with something it takes a while to circulate to the full two inches of a turtle yeah and they were getting injected daily yeah the whole time dad was experimenting on them yeah how much mutagen can they hold versus how little body mass they had yeah but like when they were getting the blood drained out of them to get the mutagen back out or whatever, uh, you know, when they hit the uh, the adrenaline. <laughs> yes, that's what I was thinking. And then it's like, who wants to clean the dojo? I mean, there was, a, again, a hyperactive kids on sugar aspect to that. Yes. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh, I love the sugar high and I loved poor Raphael who didn't get any adrenaline. Yeah, he's down there getting up after a fight and like, you okay, you okay, you okay? <laughs> I kind of want to go through at some point the pilot episode of the TV show mm. to see how they recap the origin, mm. or if they just flat out tell it again, how they introduce Venus, because they had a fifth turtle. Mm. That show was done by Saban, that at the time was five, six seasons in on Power Rangers. Uh, yeah, five, six seasons in. And the basic formula there... Teenagers, attitude, martial artists, hmm, I'm noticing a, a pattern here. Color-coded, hmm, mm-hmm. noticing a pattern here. Um, but usually eh, three or four guys and a girl or two girls kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You got four boy turtles, so add Venus as a girl Yeah, and how that pans out. Um, but I can totally see where the property is. Uh, there's something that just clicks in it. Yeah. It works. Um and that's part of why I think it keeps coming back and never totally going away. But sometimes it's, hey, let's let's do a different take on it. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking forward to the the new film. So am I. Uh, I think it's Out of the Shadows is the subtitle. It, and it's not technically a two film. Mm. It's just Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, colon, blah, blah. Uh, and um, Stephen Amell is in it. I was going to say, I thought it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, colon, Stephen Amell. But- no. <laughs> Not helping. What's funny is it's not the first time an Amel will be uh be in a live action movie based on a cartoon series. Although Turtles is originally comic prior to that. His cousin played, I believe, Fred in the direct to video Scooby Doo film. Interesting. I think. I could be wrong on that. But I imagine based on what I saw in the trailer for the new film, it will do well. Again, this was a ton of fun. I didn't recognize any of the voice actors for the turtles i think johnny knoxville was one of them i recognize the name but hmm. would have to go look him up on imdb to be honest a place where i may have seen him or whatever uh but the voices were cast well mm-hmm. they resonate with the voices they had in the cartoon the previous films that kind of stuff mm-hmm. it's with with the turtles in a a live action slash cg thing you get the voice wrong you're hosed you get the uh, the body language wrong. Yeah. It just doesn't play. Or if you get the look of the turtles wrong. Yeah. You know, and these had 
again, how they had the different kind of like uh, front pieces or whatever. One had almost like the bamboo yeah. front guard or whatever. Not that they need them, but... It- no, but they did a good job of establishing and creating that sense of they lived, I don't want to say a homeless lifestyle, but a nomadic in the sewers lifestyle. They did, but they had, what, 30,000 screens on their computer yeah, system. Yeah, really? I want to know who funded them. of boom boxes. Well, now that could be discards out of the trash, given <laughs> the age of those boom boxes. They still seem to be in nice shape. But yes, that would have been funny. Actually, what would have been hilarious is if when we had seen the montage of them growing up, there had been, you know, somebody was playing the, the boombox too loud kind of a thing. Thump, thump, boombox is gone. Yeah. <laughs> and just yeah. this would be the counter. <laughs> yes. Yes. So they did a lot of, of fun stuff. They stayed true to the property. They made some changes to it, again, with April and stuff that I think were definite improvements. Mm-hmm. And I want to see where they go with this. I hope the same writing team is behind the new film. Yeah. The writers definitely understood both the universe and the characters. Because I believe uh, this was a Michael Bay film. I don't know if he directed or not. He may have just executive produced. But I remember when this was getting started, there was a lot of skepticism of everything's going to blow up. It'll be, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Transformers film, Megan Fox is in it. You know, how's this going to play out? They, they did well with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they can continue in a like vein, yeah, um, it, it will it go for a good couple of films. Yeah, I think so. And then time for another round. Yeah, I'll give it a few few years, whatever. So yeah, I don't recall exactly when the the next film opens, but it's soon. Yeah, which I know. Is, again, why we we did this now? Yeah, I know. I've been seeing posters for the international releases as excitement is building. So. What a great time to be a fan of this kind of stuff. Yeah. It seems like at least once a month there's a major film opening up. Often, you know, uh, every night of the week it seems like there's some kind of comic or genre-related thing to go watch on TV. Plus, there's just a bazillion things coming out as comics. Well, and Netflix means that you can watch past things as well as current. That's true. Getting a hold of the older stuff is not hard either. Yeah. And... In the comics, there seems to have been a definite kind of renaissance, like I said, over the past few years on this. Sam and I had noticed a couple of months back a a very big sales spike on one of the issues of Turtles. Mm. Because there is a major turning point in their mythology there. Interesting. And one of those of, oh, they they can't do that kind of, oh, but they did and they stuck with it, it looks like. Nice. Again, not reading it, don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. But it's nice to see that the popularity of the property is... uh, is, I don't say helping the comic survive, but feeding back into the comic. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, fun property. Anything else? Does that pretty much do it? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.